0: You're listening to the Women in Western
1: Podcast, hosted by Christina Miller and Cheyenne Draves, a lifestyle podcast where we discuss everything from faith to family, business, and fitness with emphasis on the glam and grit of women in the Western lifestyle community. Grab a coffee
0: and go for a walk or a drive. Let's chat and inspire each other to be the best version of ourselves. Happy Wednesday, y'all. We're really excited to be here today. And something fun that we wanted to do um, starting out podcasts every week is to kind of just catch up on our week, things that were exciting um, for us, just kind of the highlights. So we're going to start out today talking about um, our biggest highlight of the week. So Shai, why don't you go ahead and start us off?
1: Yes, I'm so excited to chat about our highlights of the week every week just to catch y'all up on how everything's gone. We record every Monday, so it's just kind of nice to recap our week, recap our weekend, and just stuff that's been fun and exciting for us. So this last weekend, I actually went to a wedding And the bride is actually the owner of Blue Roan Turquoise. Um, Her name is Michaela, and she's a company that um, us, me and Christina, are close with, with Dandy Lashes. We do a lot of collab shoots. So it was really fun going to her wedding. Um, How we know her is that my husband... Has been working with her now husband for quite some time. So that's how we met her. So it was really fun to go to their wedding this weekend. It was a beautiful day out in Northern Colorado and we had the best time. And then on top of that, we had family come into town because they were friends of the bride and groom too. So um, actually, it was Christina's brother that came into town with his wife and daughter. And our daughters are actually one month to the day apart. So Christina's niece and my daughter are only one month apart, they're 14 and 15 months old. So it was just so fun having the girls together. I mean, having them play and interact, knowing that they're gonna be lifelong friends because they're so close in age, it's just so much fun. Um, Christina, you probably saw on Instagram all the fun little pictures we took with them this weekend.
0: I did, I was low-key jealous that I was missing out time with y'all, it looked like so much fun.
1: I know. You're usually there for all of our pictures that we take together. Um, We took some last Christmas when you were in town. Um, Yeah, Isla's mom and I definitely go all out for the pictures of the girls. So we have to dress them up and get pictures of them. Go to my personal Instagram at Cheyenne Draves if you want to see the fun little photo shoot we did. We tried to do some outside, but it didn't really work out because because the wind was so bad Um, but we had just a really fun nice weekend Um, Christina and I have been really working hard to try to unplug for the weekends and spend it with family so it was really nice to kind of be off socials for the weekend and spend time with family go to a wedding see all of our friends there so yeah I guess that's my highlight of the week it was a really fun weekend Um, Christina what was your highlight of your week I love that
0: Um, my highlight, I kind of had a little bit more of a low key week. My biggest takeaway was actually from a book that I'm reading right now called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And this week, I kind of struggled with a little bit of productivity and staying on track. Um, I typically like to wait until like there's a little laundry piled up. There's a little bit of dishes piled up before I do them all. And when you get busy and you've got more stuff on your plate, that kind of adds up. um, And then it gets to be a little bit overwhelming. So something that I read this week in the book was just kind of practicing like that 1% rule to create better habits. And he has like a two minute rule where your new habit that you're trying to create should take less than two minutes. So this week, instead of letting things kind of get a little bit out of control. On Monday, I started, got up just a little bit earlier. And every time I used a dish, I just washed it. Or every time the lawn, the washer filled up, I just washed it. And amazingly enough, my whole entire house stayed clean the whole entire week by just changing that one little thing. And it didn't overwhelm me. And when my husband came home for the weekend, it was great because I didn't have to do extra laundry or do the dishes or do anything crazy at all. He was just able to come home to a clean home. We were able to <clears throat> we were able to hang out and do all sorts of fun stuff on the weekend. Like you said, we were just really trying to unplug and spend some family time on the weekends. So it was great just being able to feel um, caught up on things like in my home and that. Little tidbit in that book that I read just really kind of changed my perspective and helped me create a new habit that I'm continuing on through this week that enabled me to enjoy my weekend. So that was kind of my highlight of the week this week.
1: I love that. I that book has been on my list to read for quite some time. Um, my cousin's fiance actually just read it and she's like, I'm gonna ship it to you because it's so good. So hopefully um, get to read that one soon. And that's so cool that you got to apply that book just to like your everyday life to make things easier. Because I feel like a lot of people think self-help books like that have to be towards like business or school, but just being able to create more family time, you know, I love that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that was something I definitely wanted. And so that book just kind of helped me break it down really, really simply. And I would highly recommend it. It's great. Well, now that we've gone over our highlights of the week, um, I'm really excited to get into this week's topic because it's, of course, one of my favorite things, (laughs) passion and hobby.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm excited to get into today's topic too, because we're not interviewing each other. We just get to talk about stuff. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Love that.
1: (laughs) Um, So we're going to start out today's episode, and um, we're actually going to talk today about how Christina and I both got into horses and how we got into riding in the Western community. And we want to be able to add value to you in this. If you're someone that did not grow up riding horses, how you can get into it, or if you have kids that you want to get into it, ways that you can get your children into it. Because we truly, obviously, as women in the Western community, we think that um, it's very important to... Um, involve yourself with riding the equine world, any discipline, we're obsessed with it. So Christina, do you want to give us a little insight? I know you kind of touched on it um, in your interview last week, but do you want to give us kind of a background of how you got into horses, a little more in depth on how you got into it?
0: Absolutely. So last week um, in my interview, I kind of mentioned that I'm currently running barrels right now. Um, However, that is not how I started out Uh, riding horses. So when I was younger, oh goodness, I can't remember how old I was. I think somewhere around 11 or 12, I was just obsessed with everything horses. My family growing up always had horses. My um, aunt and uncle had these really awesome Skipper W horses at their family ranch. And so we kind of Got to ride growing up, just trails, fun stuff like that, hang out with the horses. And my mom, they used to show and do 4 H. And so we were kind of just in the farm atmosphere growing up. And I always knew I really loved horses, but didn't know much about them. So around 11, I became obsessed. I begged my parents for a horse. I was like, please, this is all I want to do. I just want a horse. So bless my parents' heart. (laughs) They found me the perfect horse she was actually an old rodeo horse that they had found and surprised me with and that's just kind of where it all started I didn't really know much about it and my mom having grown up around horses she knew a little bit more but really as a whole we we were really unfamiliar with um just kind of the equine industry like competition uh, lessons all that kind of stuff we just weren't real familiar with so my parents Um, got us a horse. We kind of just a little trail riding here and there. And then we kind of enrolled in the local, I guess more like a Gymkhana where we were located in Michigan growing up. And we would just do like the for fun races. Um, This horse that we had had, she was retired. So she knew a lot about (laughs) what she was doing. We didn't necessarily know a lot about what we were doing. (laughs) So Lady was my horse and she taught me a lot about riding confidence having respect for horses and then my mom and dad kind of felt it was time to enroll us and put us in some lessons so we ended up taking lessons from a stable in our local community doing saddle seat on morgans so
1: I did not know that you showed morgan horses at all and I've known you for this long (laughs)
0: Yeah, I didn't end up showing at all, but I did. My best friend at the time, growing up, Katie, she grew up showing Morgans, and so that's kind of how we found this facility. she's like, "This is my trainer. This is the barn I'm at. Um, come take lessons." And so for Christmas one year, my mom got my brother and I lessons riding these Morgan horses, and so it's totally different than what I do now. I don't actually ride saddle seat anymore by any means, but it was an amazing opportunity to learn a different discipline and basic skills. And in that particular discipline that helped translate over time into more Western riding like I do now, but that's kind of just where I started out. And the things that our parents kind of helped us do, you know, just getting out in the community and meeting people, the local gymkhana really helped the 4-H community as well. And then taking lessons at a barn. And then I ended up taking a break for most of high school, college time until I met my husband. And then I was immersed in the rodeo community. So that's kind of where I am now. But why don't you tell us a little bit um, about your introduction to horses, Shy?
1: Mine is a little unconventional. Well, I wouldn't say unconventional, but um, you grew up having personal horses at your house with your mom and I did not. This goes a little further into history of my family, but my mom and my aunt had a stepdad. So my grandma's husband, his name was Bob Farinelli, and he had horses. I believe he had reining horses. And the barn that he boarded his horse at in Southern California had a program that was a military-style drill team um, organization called the California Rangers. And my, it was an organization that was actually founded during world war II. Um, and it continued on up and, you know, at this time it was the 80s and he got my mom and my aunt into that organization and it was a drill team. Um, and it was a program for youth nine to 18 years old to learn beginner drill. And then they had a, um, Sort of an all-star team um, called the Eagle Troop that would travel to different rodeos and performances and stuff like that. And so my mom and my aunt did that in their teens, which, like I said, was back in the eighties. And then when I was growing up, I started to want to ride horses at the age of, you know, nine. And my aunt had her oldest daughter in the California Rangers program, um, and I was like, I want to be like my big cousin and ride in Rangers too, like my mom and my aunt did. And so they got me in when I was nine years old. And started um, competitively riding on drill team. Now, the program is for nine to 18 years old. And so, starting out, you're in the basic troop, you know, you're walking, trotting, drills, and it's all on rental string horses. So, it's all on these dude horses, lesson horses. And that barn that we rode at was five minutes from my house. So, we went every week, rode drill. Um, and like I said, it is a military based organization. So, it was, we had to be in uniform every week. We um, had ranks. So you started out as a remount and then you could like test up with um, equine knowledge, military science knowledge. Our uniforms had to be extremely clean for practice every week. Um, we rode in traditional cavalry McClellan saddles. And once I got to like 14, 15 years old, I wanted to try out for that elite Eagle troop. So the organization probably had about 200 kids in it, boys and girls and every year was tryouts, and I wanted to try out to be on that team because they got to compete at the Reno Rodeo Drill Team Competition, Santa Rosa, um, Tulare, California, ETI, which is in Burbank, California. We got to travel all over, so I really wanted to try out and do that. Um, I tried out, made the team in 2009, and got to do that and travel, and that took up most of my life <laughs> because we were practicing on Thursday nights. You still had to be a part of your um, beginner troop. And especially if you were an older kid, you had to kind of coach the younger kids on drill and do all that. And you could rank up to be what was called the cadet commander or basically the captain of your little team. And I was cadet commander of my troop for two years. So at 17 and 18, I got to write the drills and call them out for my little nine-year-olds up until you know my age. Um, And then I also traveled on the Eagle team, which, you know, so I had my once a week practice for the beginner troop, so to say. And then I had to go to Eagle practice, which was two or three times a week. So three days a week, I was horseback um, hours long practices because we had to get there super early, get into full uniform, you know, clean your uniform before, get there. And then practice was like four hours long because we all had to tack up our horses together. We had to warm up together, ride, drill together, get down, cool off. Um, hose the horses down, put the tack away. You know, it was just, so three days a week of just extensive practice. So that's a big reason, like kind of when I talked about my intro, why I kind of stopped doing volleyball in high school, because this kind of took up most of my time. And in summertime, we were traveling so much, like Reno would be like a week and a half ordeal. Um, You know, every competition was like a week ordeal. So that was a really that was the way I got into horses and I never had my own horse because we had to ride rental string horses and we had to pay to rent them every week. So if I'm riding three times a week, my parents are paying $75 a week for me to ride. So I couldn't afford a horse to board it anywhere. We didn't live where we could have horses. So, um, you know, I, I didn't get to have my own horse growing up and I stayed on that team being a military organization. It taught me so much discipline, so much um, responsibility at such a young age, because I had to iron my own shirts to put military creases in them. I had to shine my boots. I had to make sure everything was perfect. And being in charge of my team, my youth team, you know, at 17, 18 years old, I'm having to write the drills and be in charge of all my little kids and make sure they're ready for shows. And so it taught me so much. If you are in the Southern California area and you have kids um, nine to 18 years old that are interested in getting into horses, I highly recommend that program. I learned so many lessons in that, and it definitely made me the person I am today. That program actually has a Mister um, and Miss competition every year, and that competition—I think I forget how old you have to be to start trying out for that. But out of the 200 kids that are in the group in the organization, starting at I think 15, 16, you can start applying for Mister and Miss California Ranger. And the first year I applied, you know, usually people try out for a couple years and they get it when they're 18, if they're lucky. And I remember the first year I tried out when I was 15, the competition is much like a queen pageant, um, but you have to do a speech in front of everyone at the big regimental ball and dinner every year, which is like hundreds of people you have to do a speech in front of. Um, it's based on academics. Uh, you you have to do a test based on you know military science and equine science. It's your um, extracurriculars you do. You have to write an essay and... I don't think you have to write an essay, but you do have to do a formal interview too. And I remember I tried out my first year at 15 years old and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm going to go try out and see how I'm going to do. And then maybe I'll get it when I'm 17 or 18. And I won my first year. So I was competing against all of these 18 year old girls that I've been riding with for forever. And at 15 years old, I won the Miss California Ranger title and had to do it at 15 years old. Or so you represent the entire regiment at that point. And little me was... um Definitely didn't feel adequate for that, but that kind of ties into a lot of um, parts of my story when I didn't feel adequate in my life, but I actually was very qualified. So that was that chapter in my life of California Rangers um, and the Eagle team. It is a youth program, so you graduate out at 18 years old. You can stick around and coach it. So, I did for two years before I ended up moving out of California. So, I did coach as a staff member on both the little beginner troop and the Eagle troop and coached girls and boys that were on the team. And I really enjoyed that. And once I graduated out of the program, though, I could start to afford to have my own horse. So, I bought my first horse when I was 18 for $800. He was an 18 year old um, grade gelding. His name was Trigger. And he was really fun. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with him because I didn't want to join another drill team because the one that I had grown up riding on was so competitive and fun that to me, something that wasn't as competitive and as good wouldn't be fun to me, if that makes sense. I didn't want to be a part of a team that just wanted to trot around and have fun because I was part of such a competitive drill team. I wanted to be good. So I didn't want to do that anymore. So I started um, going to some barrel jackpots with um, some girls that rode at the same barn as me. And at the time, I got a job teaching lessons to little kids at that same barn that I grew up at. And so I was just working there part time. This was kind of when I was trying to save up to go to equine dentistry school. So I was giving lessons and cleaning water buckets and doing all the things, um, hauling my Little grade gelding to these jackpots for fun. I didn't know what I was doing. I never hired a trainer. So um, I figured out barrels wasn't really for me at the time because I wasn't passionate about it, about it enough to get a trainer or do anything like that. And I sold him before I moved to Colorado because I didn't have a huge connection to him at that point. Um, my cousin, actually, a little side story, she now owns Trigger. In his retirement, he's the same age as me, so he's 27, and we're actually thinking about bringing him up here to Colorado soon, as soon as we can get him hauled up here so he can enjoy the rest of his retirement up here on green grass and up in the mountains with my horses. Um, And then moving to Colorado, you know, my husband cowboys, so I got immersed in that lifestyle, and I definitely didn't know as much as I thought I knew about horses starting to ride with him because I got to do stuff like rope and gather and sort horses just do all of the cowboy-like stuff. And so that was really, that was a big culture shock, learning all of that and getting into that. My husband taught me so much. And in that time, I just rode his horses that he owned and I wanted my own because I hadn't had my own since I sold Trigger. And his boss was selling a little two-year-old roan horse, um, papered two-eyed jackbread, little gelding. For 500 bucks. And I said, Josh, can we buy him? I really want a horse. And he said, okay, fine, let's buy him. So I picked him up for 500 bucks and that turned out to be my heart horse. That is Brick. And he is the first horse I ever started. So Josh helped me put the first rides on him and teach him everything he knows. My husband has done a lot of the work because he used him cowboying for a couple of years, um, the first, you know, two years of his life, but he is six years old now. In that horse, we can do everything on. My daughter leads him around, walking around, barely walking. She can lead him around with his lead rope and he just tracks her like a little cow. Um, I can rope on him. I can go on trail rides with him. I can lope him around. He's just the perfect, not great at one thing but good at everything horse. And I just have such a connection with him. I finally understand what people mean when they say that they have their heart horse. And then about a year ago, um, we made a friend through the Miss Rodeo Colorado Committee um, named Tara Polson, and she runs a program called the Colorado Stars and Stripes Co. Organization, and they run flags for various events like Greeley stampede and um, polo events. And so she came to me and saw I had ran flags for um Cody Knight's Rodeo with one of a girlfriends a couple summers ago. And she said, hey, like, you know how to run flags. You want to be part of our team? And I said, absolutely. I would love that because watching them ride, it wasn't necessarily a competitive drill team where I didn't think I would have fun, but it was more of an exhibition running flags at big rodeos and big events and being able to do some fun drills and having just a community of women again that enjoy um, drill and flag work. So I started running with the Colorado Stars and Stripes team, and I am absolutely so thankful that I get, a, get to be a part of that group because we, like I said, um, our big event every year is Greeley Stampede. So I love being a part of that huge rodeo and taking my big Bay roan horse out into that arena. It's just the best feeling ever to be able to do something big and fun on him. So that's kind of how I got into horses and where I'm at now. Um, I don't really have any crazy goals coming up, but one thing I am going to start trying out is mounted shooting. Um, one girl on my Stars and Stripes team is very heavily into mounted shooting and convinced me to come do a new shooters clinic. So that's kind of next step for Cheyenne and Brick and see what see what happens there.
0: That's really exciting to be able to try a new discipline out. And the clinic looks like it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. So I love that. And I love hearing about um, the way you started out with horses. You know, you grew up in California. And so, like you said, you weren't able to, to own your own horse at your property. So if somebody... Is interested in getting into horses, but they're not in a position to where they can buy a horse and have them at their home. That's such a great opportunity to be able to get into horses, immerse yourself in the industry and learn without having to make that initial investment in buying your own horse and having your own land and getting feed and learning all those different things because, you know, horses are a big investment.
1: Right. So I definitely think that's a great transition into how you as a listener can start to get into riding horses if you didn't grow up in it and you don't have the means to do it right now. Um, A lot of our audience, I think, is, you know, probably late teens, 20s, 30s, 40s. I know we have a ton of women on here listening um, of a lot of different age ranges. So I think this is really beneficial to a lot of you guys that want to get into it. And like Christina was just saying, you don't need to have your own horse, your own land to start out. You really don't, especially if you are in an area that you can easily get to a lesson barn. Um... 30 minutes away. Because like I said, I grew up in Northern Los Angeles County. So if I could find a barn to ride at, you can find a barn to ride at.
0: Yes, absolutely. And when I got into horses too, I may have owned my own horse. However, my horse um, was not, she had a special set of skills she was actually a calf horse. So that's what she knew how to do. And while she was amazing to learn different things on, when I went to take lessons at a different facility, you know, I learned on those horses. And getting on multiple different horses and different disciplines, it teaches you whole new sets of skills. So even though I own my own horse, I was interested in learning, you know, I took lessons at a facility and I used their horses. So you don't, um, I could have taken the lessons without ever having a horse. So you don't have to, you know, go get a horse and have all the things available and ready for you to get started in the industry, which is something that I absolutely love. And another really fun thing that um, I did personally, and, and you did too with lessons and working at the barn, was in order to get into horses and save a little money on the side to pay for the extra stuff that we wanted to do, you and I both worked at facilities um, part-time to save up extra. So that's something that I did, um, you know, clean stalls and washing the buckets. And it, it teaches you great work, work ethic because horses are a 24-hour job. So, you know, they eat just as many times as you do in a day and you have to clean up after them. And it teaches you a really amazing life skills in the process of also earning some extra money and getting the experience at a horse barn because you'll learn so, so much.
1: Right. So yeah, like the first step you can take is once you start taking lessons somewhere, just generalized lessons somewhere, um, you know, obviously you don't want to probably dive right into a specific discipline starting out, you know, I mean, you can obviously have big goals. If show jumping is something that you are heart set on, if you want to be a breakaway roper, if you want to be a barrel racer, if you want to run flags at the Greeley Stampede, um, you know, I think that you have to start just at basic lessons if you didn't grow up in horses. And then once you get established at a barn that you're taking lessons at, ask them if they need help. Ask them if you can come by and clean stalls three times a week, or if you can come in the mornings and help feed just to help you pay off that investment.
0: Yes, absolutely. I love that. Um, and that also, too, like if you're in between disciplines, say you love, you know, barrel racing, but you also love the aspect of running flags, you Can learn a little bit while you're working in the barns and see other people riding in different things. So it's just a great overall experience. Exactly.
1: So I think the key to getting into horses before you know exactly what you want to do is to research barns in your area that provide just basic lessons. Um, You know, obviously we ride more Western. um, So deciding if you want to go the English route or the Western route and just taking basic lessons, learning how to ride in the arena, basic walk, trot, lope, going on trails, then starting to learn spins and stops, and then just gaining basic horse knowledge about your tack, um, all of your equipment, all of the care for a horse. Um, and then you'll be in this stage quite a while before you start transitioning into a discipline that you want. But like we said, if you just kind of gain a little bit of knowledge of what discipline you think you want to go into before you start taking lessons, then you can have that as a goal in mind of, okay, I need to start learning this before I can get into this discipline. Um, Christina, what are ways that people can kind of figure out what discipline they want to get into before making the commitment to starting horses?
0: Well, I loved watching the NFR and I grew up in Michigan. So I'm not saying that rodeo wasn't really popular there. There's obviously rodeo, but it wasn't, it was more um, kind of English based riding over there. And that's initially too why I started out doing lessons in saddle seat. But I watched the NFR every year and I was just absolutely fascinated by rodeo and barrel racing, especially. But just starting out with doing some basic research, there's so many disciplines that you can do in the horse world. In YouTube and all the different resources that are available nowadays are wonderful. So if you, you know, if there's something that maybe your kids are enjoying watching, like the rodeo or show jumping, um, a cousin of mine recently just got into riding and she started at a facility where it was more English based doing lessons and she actually just bought her first horse and she's jumping now. And it's absolutely amazing because just watching her being interested, watching other people at the barn learn, that's how she got into it. And so I would say just YouTubing what's out there, check check out different disciplines, Western versus English, what you what your style is. There, just in the Western community alone, there's reining, cutting, uh, barrel racing, team roping, like you said, mounted shooting. And there's clinics for all these different things. The library of resources that are available online to check out the different disciplines is just endless. So I would definitely just start out doing some research. And then uh, the next big thing that I would do too is you're a product of what surrounds you and you'll get that support from your surroundings. So finding other people too that are into what you wanna be into or that are living that life or doing those things and you know, get in contact with them, ask them some questions,
1: Yeah, you and I definitely both surrounded ourselves with people that were into horses. And this isn't saying that you're using people in a way that you're just like, oh, I'm just going to go use them to get into horses. This is saying that you need to develop relationships and be close with people that you want to be like, and you want to be around and that you want to gain knowledge from, and you can add value to them and then get value back. Um... I obviously have a couple people in mind that I surrounded myself that knew more than me, one being my husband. Um, and I know Christina, you have people in your life that helped you out a little bit more along the way and taught you, um, you know, more about horses and taught you more about barrel racing and things like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Cause when you start out, um, there's just so much to learn. There's no way to just start out being amazing at something. And I, started out, you know, in the English discipline. And then I met my husband and got around horses more in the rodeo atmosphere. And I decided I wanted to barrel race. And so I had to go about, you know, finding a barrel horse that was finished so he could help me learn the skills that I needed to. And I took lessons. I took lessons from my mother-in-law. I took lessons from friends who were also barrel racers. And I hung out with more people that were barrel racing because that's what, what I wanted to do. And, and just hanging around people that are doing the things that you like to, you have a lot of the same similarities and goals and just, um, that's kind of what I was meaning by surrounding yourself with, you know, like-minded people. And like you were saying, it's not, not it's not to use those people, but to develop relationships with people that you enjoy doing things with and learning and adding value to each other's lives. So that's kind of how I started out into barrel racing. Cause I had a really clear goal on what I wanted to do in the rodeo industry, And so I just sought out people that were able to help me, um, to help me learn and to grow and to get there.
1: And those people that you're surrounding yourself that are into horses don't necessarily have to be people that you are super, super close with, like your best friend or your husband. You know, you might not have people in your life that are into horses that you can just cling to and spend time with and gain knowledge from, but the people that you surround yourself could be who you follow on social media. Say you watched a rodeo and you watched Breakaway and you fell in love with breakaway roping, and that's what you want to do, go follow Jackie Hobbs Crawford on Instagram because she's someone that is great at that. So who you're surrounding yourself with doesn't necessarily have to be a person that you're seeing every day or able to text. It can be someone that you can watch their Instagram stories, watch a YouTube video that they post, and get knowledge from them in that way
0: absolutely absolutely I 100% agree with that because those are things that I also do like I love barrel racing so I follow like the top 10 barrel racers in the world and I watch their videos and I pay attention to the things that they're feeding their horses different things like that Um, the exercise that they're doing both for themselves physically and for their horses because you are an athlete and so social media is amazing because of that and following the athletes and the people in the different disciplines is such an amazing tool to be able to have that knowledge um, without having to see somebody, you know, face to face. But if you wanted to get into being around people and you like being more immersed in the environment every day, you can go join different barns or clubs or groups. There's amazing opportunities to get into things um, that way as well. Which leads us into our next topic, which is how you would go about getting your kids into a discipline or starting out with horses. Um, Cheyenne, what do you want to share with us? A couple of ways that people
1: could go about doing that. Yeah, especially because you and I were both someone that our parents are the main reason that we got into horses and have the lifestyle that we are that we have today. They both invested a lot of money into horses into our horse journeys. So, a lot of our audience our parents. So if your kid is showing interest and in getting into the horse community or the western community, I think it is so important for you to be able to find a way to be able to do that for your child because horses are absolutely life-changing when it comes to creating a foundation for your child with discipline, teaching them responsibility, teaching them emotional control when they're in training, um teaching them how to be coachable, things like that. So, if you are a parent and you have a kid that wants to get into horses but you have no clue about horses at all, um these are kind of some ways that you can get them into it, um especially if they're super young, even if they're up into, you know, their early teens. Um, a lot of places will have summer horse camps, spring break horse camps. So um, looking at like horse camps, they don't necessarily even have to be sleepaway. Some of them are just stuff that you drop your kid off in the in the morning at and then go pick them up in the afternoon. But that's a really good way to get your child spending time with horses, figuring out if that's um, a barn that they want to take lessons at throughout the year, just seeing if they enjoy it. Um, and, you know, you got to work your butt off probably to save the extra Three to $400 to be able to afford to drop them off at that camp for a week, but find a way that you can earlier in that year budget and save a little bit to be able to um, enroll your kid in a horse camp for the summer would be a great way to get them started out before you have to commit to lessons.
0: Yes. And another um, really awesome thing, if you say you've already have a horse and you're just looking for extra activities to do around your community, something that we had in Colorado, because I'm actually from the same area that Cheyenne lives in now is where I was from originally, but the rodeo communities have really amazing events um, that are family rodeos. And so the family just comes together. There's events for like little, little kids all the way up to, you know, your middle-aged kids, teenagers, and then the adults for the parents, they have events for them as well. And so um, a family rodeo that was in the Keensburg, Colorado area is the Rock and K and that was an amazing get together for, and it's something that, families can do with other families and they do really amazing events awards and different things family activities so that's also another great avenue to consider if you already have a horse and you're wanting to just find maybe an event that the whole family can go do together
1: yeah i have heard really good things about the and k in Keensburg. and the thing about our world today is we have so much information readily available at your fingertips. So if you don't live in Northern Colorado, you live in a different state, you're a Google search away from finding um, a community, a program like that. Um, And it doesn't necessarily have to be one discipline that you're set on. I grew up doing a drill team. So just looking up equine programs in your community, um, you know, if your child is kind of veering towards wanting to do one thing or another, watched a rodeo and wants to rodeo their little heart out or watched a show jumping in the Olympics and wants to go jump over some fences, Google, Google, Google is your friend and you can find something so easy Especially um Facebook nowadays too is a really good place just to find um like a Facebook group associated with that program and and just kind of figure out the community from there um Obviously, this is going to be a financial investment into your you know child's future and or your future if this is something that you're looking to do for yourself so making sure that you're budgeting throughout the year to be able to do this um is key, so making sure that you're able to budget however much is gonna. It's going to cost to be able to do this startup, and this definitely is a little more cost effective to go the route of lessons and programs like this versus owning your own horse because I don't know what people are smoking thinking that they're going to save money having a horse instead of paying fuel prices these days. I'm like, go right ahead, bud. Go buy a horse and see how much money you save on fuel, (laughs) but it is definitely key to make sure you're budgeting for it.
0: Yes. Horses are definitely a big investment, Um, especially now. It always makes me chuckle when I see that when they're like fuel prices versus, um, you know, buying a horse, but it also costs about $22 for a bale of alfalfa. So let's just keep that in
1: perspective. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Your horse is not going to be cheaper than driving your truck. I promise. (laughs) Uh, Well, hopefully this helps y'all kind of get um, a little
0: bit of an idea on how you might go about getting started with um, getting into the equine community and just learning some more about horses. And I mean, obviously, both Cheyenne and I ride in the Western discipline and we don't know a whole lot about um, you know, English disciplines. However, that's the amazing thing about getting online, being able to do research. So we just wanted to share kind of some tips and tricks since both of us didn't grow up in a horse community necessarily and how we got into it.
1: And yeah, I think this episode is definitely something that even if you're not looking to get directly into horses, I think you can apply a lot of these tips from this episode on how to get into any kind of new hobby. Um, it doesn't necessarily just have to be horses. Obviously, this is just our journey and, and we know more about it. But I think, you know, some of the general tips of how to get into anything that you want to start anew, um, you can put a lot of these tips to, to use.
0: Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Well, we're so glad that y'all hung out with us today on this Wednesday, and we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. But catch us next week, Wednesday, a new episode drops. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. And again, thank y'all so very much for listening to the Women in Western Podcast.
1: See you guys next week.